God, we're starting into a new series today that we're calling Overcoming. You know, every Sunday, uh, just as we start our services and when we finish our worship, we, we have a time of prayer where we pray for people looking for breakthrough. And I know every Sunday a few people put up their hands and they'll say they're believing you, Lord, for a breakthrough. But, but you know, here's the thing. I know that even though a couple of people put up their hands, I, I really genuinely believe that every one of us, including me, could put up their hand on any given Sunday and, and ask and believe God for a breakthrough. Because I know that every one of us, every one of us, has something in our lives that we need to overcome. Isn't that true? Every one of us. Whether it's an addiction that you may have had for a long time, whether it's, a, 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 it's, it's your overdraft, praise God, whether it's your credit card bill that you need to overcome, that you need a breakthrough on. Yeah, you don't need to amen me, but I know it's true, amen. <laughs> No matter what it is, whether it's a debt, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's something you're just falling behind in, that you need to overcome because you know that this, this, this thing is holding you back, this, this debt is holding you back, this, this is stopping you from doing the things you know you want to do but you can't do it because you have to keep on furnishing this debt. Or whether it's this addiction that's holding you back. You know, you, you don't want to do it, you really don't want to do it, you, 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 everything in you is trying to stop to do it, but, but you can't seem to stop, and this addiction is holding you back, it's, it's dragging you back, it's, it's stopping you from being who God created you to be. I know every one of us has something that we need to overcome. Maybe it's a, a habit, maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's a habit of gossiping, maybe, some, maybe you just have, a, have this habit of, of, of gossiping that you know that's not good, and you know you need to stop it, and you know you need to overcome it. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's this, 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 this fear that comes on you uh, every day or every night. A fear that you're, you're not good enough, a fear that you're, you, know, you won't make it. A fear that you know, you know, something might bad happen to you or your husband or your children. or uh, Just a fear that, that, that grips you and overcomes you. And, and you know that this fear is holding you back and stopping you from becoming everything that you know God wants you to become. And it's giving you sleepless nights and you know you need to overcome it. And we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about overcoming. Because I know, I know every one of you is that I'm looking at now, and if I had a mirror here in front of me too, I know there's things that we all need to overcome. Amen? Amen. Today I want to start talking about it, and we're going to talk about, this is a big one, praise God. This is a big one for me. We're going to talk today about overcoming the curse of comparison. Has anybody here in church, or is it just me that's ever compared yourself or something that you had to someone that something else, someone else had, or something that someone else had? Never. We, we all do it, amen? <laughs> we all compare our stuff, whether it's our car. Sometimes I get into my car and I think, you know, oh, I'd love to have that BMW there, or that Audi. <laughs> I mean, you're driving down along the road and you're tipping along nicely, and and some fella comes up behind you, or someone comes up behind you in this 191 Audi. And I mean, they just glide past you like you weren't even there. And you all of a sudden look at your car and think, hmm, much of a car you are. <laughs> even though your car is as better than most people's cars on the road, but because it's not as good as that Audi, you just compare it. You know, the easiest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. I mean, I love my home. I really do. I love it. I love my home. I thank God for my home every day. But you know what? One thing that Angela and I, we love to watch on television is these home makeover programs. 
We watch them if they're on. We're watching them all the time. Because there's normally nothing else on, so we watch one of these. And I love when they go into a, an older house and, and they get the skip outside of it and they clear the whole thing out. And then they go back six months later and they go in and they show you around this absolutely perfect living room. This amazing bedroom. This, up, oh, this uh, uh, indescribable bathroom. And you're sitting there, you're watching, you're thinking, hmm, this is all I have. I, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And you forget that the amazing home that you have, that God has blessed you with, is fantastic. It's, 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 it's amazing. Yeah. But when you see someone else that seems to be better, all of a sudden you start to compare yours to theirs. And, and the easiest way to kill something special is to compare it to yeah. something else. <clears throat> Amen? Yeah. In our marriages. We do it in our marriages. We do it in our relationships. We do it with our kids. We look at someone else's marriage and we see that oh, they're holding hands the whole time. Oh, he gave her a little peck on the cheek and you're looking at your own wife or husband and saying, huh, when was the last time you held my hand? When was the last time you took me out for dinner? And you know, the easiest way to wreck a, a, a good marriage, your marriage, is to compare it to someone else's marriage. And I mean, all you ever see in someone else's marriage is, is the outside of it, amen? You never see them in the morning, amen? You never see them at their worst, Amen? You see him at their bed. You never see him at, at half nine in the evening snoring on the settee while you're trying to watch the news. You don't see that, amen? The easiest way to wreck something special is to compare it to something else, amen? Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. You know we have an amazing church here in Enniscorthy. Thank God. An amazing church. Blessed by God. Amen. You know, I look around these ch this church someday and I go, praise God, thank God. Lord, you've given us such a facility, such a, 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 a premises here, right in the heart of Enniscorthy, right in the heart of County Wexford, a place where we get to meet together and we're warm, we're, we're safe, we're secure, we, we have everything, we, we have nice seats, we have a room for the kids, we have a room for the creche, we have a place where we can make tea and coffee downstairs, we have... Glory to God, we have so much. And this is not the norm in this country. Amen. It's not. It's not the norm. Most churches this morning will meet in a hotel. They'll meet in a clubhouse someplace. They'll meet in, 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 in different buildings all over the place. But, but what, what you see here today, what you sit in, what you experience today is not the norm. But forgive me. Sometimes when I meet with other ministers and pastors around the country and meet them in their churches and, and see the wonderful facilities that they have, I get a little bit of, you know, the little, you know, the little bit of comparison there. And, and I sometimes come away thinking, you know, I wish our sound boot was nicer. I, I wish our stage was nicer. I wish our chairs were nicer. And you know what? I realized then after I started comparison that the easiest way for me to, to wreck something good is to compare it to someone else's stuff. Amen? Because God has so richly blessed us. Amen? God has so richly blessed us. And we need never compare what God has given us to something that God has given someone else. Amen? Because you get disappointed very quick with what God has blessed you with when you start measuring it up to someone else's blessing. Amen? 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 But today, today, it's never been easier for us to compare stuff, has it? It's never been easier today for us to compare stuff to what other people have. 
I mean, can I, can I say I, I hate something? But I do. Facebook and, and Instagram and all these, I hate them. Now, I use them sometimes, not very often, but I do use them sometimes, but I hate them. Do you know you're going about your Monday, your normal Monday? It's not a special Monday. It's not a bank holiday Monday. It's not your birthday Monday, or, or it's not any other Monday. It's, it's a normal Monday. You go about your normal Monday. It's not fantastic. It's not great. It's not the best Monday ever, but it's an okay Monday. You know, it's, it's all right. You're not, you know, you know, it's not perfect, but it's okay. You're getting on with it. And then on your lunch break, you go and you take out your phone and you open up your Instagram or your Facebook or something. And all of a sudden, you see a friend of yours that you grew up with, went to school with, and they've posted a picture. And it's a picture in the sun. It's a picture by the swimming pool. It's a picture with a drink in their hand. And I mean, it's entitled, Best Day Ever. It's your second holiday as well this year. Did I mention that? <laughs> and I mean, it's only March. And you haven't been away anywhere. And now all of a sudden, you're, you're okay Monday. You're, you know, you're fine. You're, you're routine Monday. You're, you know, you're all right Monday. Has now become a disaster. Now it's become a depressed Monday. It's one of those Boomtown Rats Mondays. I don't like Mondays Mondays. And now all of a sudden, you're just annoyed. You're starting to now compare your normal Monday with someone else's Monday. But you know what the thing is and why I don't like social media? Because you're comparing your normal Monday with someone else's highlights. Amen. Because as long as I view social media, I know that nobody posts a picture of themselves on Monday morning making their breakfast or making their lunch. Amen. I've never yet seen one person post a picture of themselves hanging out to washing or ironing. Never seen it. Never seen anyone post a picture of them cleaning out the fire or hoovering. Never seen it yet. But what I do see, as I see people when they go to concerts, they'll take a picture of the concerts. I see people when they go on holidays, they'll take a whole world of pictures on holidays. When they go out to eat, they'll take pictures when they go out to eat. I mean, when they're doing anything that's a highlight, they'll post. I have a friend. Get this that posts pictures of betting slips once or twice a year when he wins. He has never yet posted a picture of a betting slip where he lost. Amen? But he posts the winning ones. Amen? We need to stop comparing our normal day with other people's highlights. Amen? Praise God. Never compare your routine day. Was someone else's good day. I want us to look today at this amazing piece of scripture. Talking about the foolishness of comparison. You do know when you read your Bible that you're reading, aside from where it talks about God and where Jesus is mentioned and Jesus is talking, you're reading stories written to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by people like you and me. You do know that, don't you? That none of the apostles floated on air. You know that, don't you? Yeah. That the apostles were just normal human beings, just like you and me. Yeah. Capable of making mistakes. Capable of putting their foot in it. Capable of saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, thinking the wrong things. So when you read your Bible, you should always read it with that mindset. That, you know, I'm reading stories of Jesus that are inspired by God. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
but told to us through the eyes of normal people. Amen? You know that, yeah? So I'm going to look today, very briefly, at a story of uh, Peter and John. And the great thing about Peter and John is that they were probably Jesus' number one and number two disciples. But as you read through the Word of God, you will get this feeling, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're looking into the story and if you're getting a feel for the, for, the, for the Word, you'll get the feeling that there was a bit of tension between Peter and John there. Because normally there's not tension between the number 10 and number 11 apostle. There's normally tension between number 1 and number 2, amen? Who's the greatest apostle? Which is the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, no, I'm the greatest. And we see this kind of tension with, with, with uh, Peter and, and John, uh, really probably highlighted more in, in John chapter 20 than anywhere else in, in, in the Word of God. Let me just read it to you. In John chapter 20, we're at the, the resurrection stage. It's the empty tomb. And it says there in verse 1, it says, Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the empty tomb. I went to the tomb early, should I say. Uh, while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. When you see the other disciple there talked about in the book of John, you always know that it's John talking about himself. Because when John talked about himself, he used two terms for himself. One was the other disciple, and the other one was the disciple that Jesus loved. So here, John is talking, and John has given us the narration here, and he's saying that, that, that Mary Magdalene came to Simon Peter and to John, whom Jesus loved. He just needed to throw that bit in there too. And said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have lain him. You know, one thing I love about John is John knew that Jesus loved him. He knew it. Nothing would convince John more, or nothing could convince John in another way that, than that Jesus loved him. He loved him. That's why he always wrote, the disciple that Jesus loved. But you know what? The rest of the disciples could have written that too. Only they hadn't got the same revelation of Jesus' love as John did. But John continues to write down, and every time he talks about himself in his own writings, he talks about the one whom Jesus loved. He was so confident of this that he, he was sold out for it. Amen? Amen? Now, I don't know whether it was John's attitude or the way he talked about himself compared to Jesus that used to get up Peter's nose. I don't know whether that was it or there was some other things in it there, but it's quite obvious as we read through the Word of God there was a lot of tension there between both of them. And we're going to continue to read in this story. And, and you know, anybody ever find parts of the Bible kind of funny? Yes. This is a part of the Bible, even though it talks about the resurrection, the foundation of our faith. But it's very funny to me when, by the way that John portrays this. Because as John portrays this, this resurrection, he tells us on three different occasions that he's the fastest runner. I mean, what difference does it make? Makes a difference to John, amen? And he points it out to us. It says in, in verse 3, it says, Peter, continuing on from John 20, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and John, and they were going to the tomb. Now you can just imagine Mary Magdalene has come in and given them the news that the tomb is empty, and, and Peter moves first, and Peter goes outside first, and, and John then joins him outside. Now, what happens next is 
For me, it's kind of like a sprint race, 100 meters at the Olympics. You know where they all line up? They get down on their hunkers and they all line up in the line and, and the starter says go. Well, this is what it sounds like to me. It says in verse 4, and John's talking, he says, so they both ran together. Meaning they both took off for the tomb together. And John then is at pains to tell his readers and you and I, John says, and the other disciple, me, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I mean, what's that got to do with this whole story? It's not nothing to do with it. But he, he feels that he needs to tell us that he was faster and he beat John. Or he beat Peter. Verse 5. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Talking about Peter. Verse 6. Then Simon Peter came, following him. I mean, he wasn't first. I need you to know. I need you to know, readers. I need you to know a live church reading this 2,000 years later. I need you to know that I beat Peter. I'm faster than Peter. Just so as you know, 2,000 years from now, I am faster than Peter. Then Simon Peter, following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths that lay there. That's two. Verse 8. Then the other disciple, John, who came to the tomb first. I mean, just in case you didn't get it the first two times, I need you to know I won. I got here first. I didn't go to the tomb first, but I got here first. I am faster than Peter. I know he's a little bit older than me. He's getting a bit slow now, but I'm faster. I need you to know that. I got to the tomb first. The other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, saw and believed. And you know, as I say, this is a story of our faith. This is the foundational story of our faith. But yet John is, is more concentrated on wanting you to know that I am faster than Peter. I got there first. If you didn't hear me the first time, I got there first. If you missed it the second time, I beat Peter. Praise God. You see, when you start to compare yourself to something else, what you had now starts to seem lesser than what they have. Amen? And that's where we never need to go. Amen? Later on we see when Jesus appeared to them, while they went back fishing, they didn't recognize him. And when they had fished all night, and I know what that's like, and caught nothing, they were about to pack up their nets and go home when Jesus appeared on the shoreline. Watch what happens next in John chapter 1. And I'm going to read just a good bit of this and make comment as we read. It says in verse 6, And then Jesus said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, yes, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And I saw him first. He needs to let you know, I saw him first, amen? Now as we continue to read on, we read on the story of where, where, where Jesus starts to restore Peter. I mean, the last time Jesus had seen Peter, he had betrayed him. He had left him, he had denied him three times. Should I say not betrayed, he denied him three times. 
and he, he, he had left them. That was the last he seen of them. So now, here's Jesus now, and he's restoring Peter. And we see in verse 12, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. And then Jesus said to him a second time, He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And, and Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Twice he said it now. Then the third time he said, Then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And because Jesus had said it to him twice already, and Peter had already answered him twice, Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is where Jesus restores Peter. But Peter is feeling a little bit aggrieved because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? He's feeling a little bit scolded. You know the way it is. You know, you do something wrong and, and, and your, your parent or your boss comes to you and you know, asks you, you know, do you understand what you did that was wrong? And, and you say, yeah, no, I, I, I understand, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And then he comes along five minutes later and says, now, I really need to know. You understand what you did was wrong. And yeah, 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 I, I know, I, I won't do it again. And then five minutes later again, he comes and he says to you again, you know, I really need you to know. And you're going like, why are you asking me three times? I know what I did was wrong. You know the way you get? And this is the way Peter was. Even though Jesus had restored him, he was a little bit aggrieved in himself. If it says there in verse 20, remember, tension between John and Peter, okay? Verse 20, then Peter, after all of this talk had gone on, where, where Jesus was restoring him and, and scolding him, and Peter turns around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. John was right there behind him, witnessing all this scolding. And Peter wasn't happy. Amen. I mean, it's one thing for to be given out to, it's another thing to be given out to and having the Irish Times walking behind you taking notes of the whole thing. <laughs> Amen. Because we know that because it's John wrote it and John wrote word for word everything that Jesus had said to Peter. So John was close enough to be able to hear the whole conversation and take notes of the whole conversation and relay to us the whole conversation. Amen. I wonder if it was Peter writing this, would he have written that? Probably not. Probably not. Peter turned around and he saw the disciple John whom Jesus loved following him, who had leaned on his breast at supper and had said, Lord, who is the one who will betray you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, what about this fella? I mean, you're coming here and you're scolding me, Jesus. You're giving out to me for denying you three times. What about him? He went off and left you too. He didn't hang around either. I know, what about him? Give out to him. You've given out to me long enough now. Maybe put him back in his place. What about him? Peter had got... There was so much tension going on between Peter and John that, that Peter didn't like the fact that Jesus was the one that was, as he felt, scolding him. And he was grieved in his own spirit. That he was thinking like, you know, if you're going to give out to me, give out to him. And look what Jesus said. It's amazing. Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what business, paraphrasing, is that of yours? What business is that of yours? Jesus said, Peter, 
Do not compare my commission to you with my commission to him. It's none of your business. Church, we need to get to a place where we need not to compare what God has blessed us with, what God has called us to do, with something that God blesses someone else with, and what's something that God called someone else to do. Amen? Because when you start to compare your gifts to someone else's gifts, is the quickest way to destroy the gifts that you've been given in the first place. Peter nearly missed it here. The great commission that Jesus was commissioning with, because he was too interested in what God or Jesus may have to say to, to John. Amen? Let's not lose what God has to say to us because we're concerned about what he has to say to someone else. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. You concentrate on that. You concentrate on feeding my sheep. Whatever I ask John to do, that's my business between me and him. And he'll do it. You just do what I told you to do. Amen? We have to understand that we cannot fully, faithfully follow Jesus if we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. If you're always looking over your shoulder at what someone else is doing, you will not be able to fulfill the calling Jesus has given you for your life. Amen? If you're looking at what the person sitting beside you is doing, if you're looking at what the person sitting behind you is doing, if you're looking at what I'm doing, if I'm looking at what you're doing, I will never finish and do faithfully what God calls me to do if I'm as concerned about what you're doing as I am as what I'm doing. Amen? Amen. 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 We will never do what Jesus called us to do if we keep on looking over our shoulders at what others are doing. You know, we have been uniquely created by God. Uniquely gifted by God. Isn't that great? Yes, it is. Isn't that fantastic? Yes, yeah. That we have been, God, God, the creator of the universe, has a specific plan for you. For you, you, for everyone. A unique plan. You know, sometimes when I watch football games, and I see, I see 60,000 people at a football game, all those 60,000 people are watching, what, 22 people on the pitch. 60,000 people are spectating as to what 22 people will do. God never created one spectator. Amen? Amen. Not one. There is no one person that God forget when he was handing out gifts to people. Everybody has a part to play. Amen. And the quickest way I can ruin my part that I have to play is by looking over my shoulder at someone else's part. We do not have to compare ourselves to anyone else. Thank God. Because Billy Graham is out of my reach. Amen. Thank God. And whoever else that you seem to continue to look over your shoulder at to see what they're doing, to see how they're following God... They are not in your race. Amen. Amen. You run your race. You need to stop comparing yourself to anyone else. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, every sin that so easily ensnares us. What's the weight and sin that ensnares us? I believe comparison is one of them. Amen. Amen. I mean, if I was getting you to run a race today, 
across the car park here, okay? Across the car park. You and someone else, equally matched, would you put your coat on? Would you put your, your hat on? Would you weigh your pockets down with your phone and your wallet? And if Women, would you run with your handbags? No, you would not. You would take your coat off. You would take your hat off. You'd empty your pockets. I mean, if your shoes, if you're wearing high heels, women, you'd take them off too. <laughs> Amen? You would do everything to give you an advantage to be able to run that race faster. Amen? You wouldn't take on weights. So when it's talking about here, about to run in our race and, and the sin that easily ensnares us, comparison. When you're running your race, stop comparing your race to someone else's. Amen? And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. Amen? That's the solid race, an endurance race. I mean, anyone could run a sprint. I believe everyone in here, no matter what age they are, could run, in some fashion, a 100-meter sprint race. Now, some of you would finish it in 15 seconds. Others would finish it in a minute and 15 seconds, which is all to do it. Amen? amen? Because we all have the capability to run it. That's endurance, amen? Yeah. That's sticking to your race till the end of your race. That's what is called endurance. So run with endurance, the race that is set before you, me, Looking on to my neighbor in the other lane? Looking on to that guy in church that's there all the time, that woman is annoying me in church? Looking on to Billy Graham? No. Looking on to Jesus. Jesus, why? Why? Why do I look on to Jesus? I mean, Billy Graham done some amazing things. Why shouldn't I look on to him? Why shouldn't I compare myself to him? Looking on to Jesus because he is the author the author. He is the one that sets out the race. Amen. He's the one that wrote the story of the race. Amen. He is the one that, that is, is the one that has made the race for me. He is the author of my race and he is the finisher of my race. Why would I look over my shoulder at anyone else? Amen. When Jesus is the author and the finisher of my race. Church, we have all got our own races to run. You have your race. I have my race. They have their race. Everybody has their own race. Let's run our races not worrying about what anyone else is running or how they're running. Let them run their own race. Amen? Let them run their own race. A runner would never run a race if he looks over his shoulders all the way through the race. Could you imagine? Usain Bolt down on the blocks for 100 meters, looking side to side, and the gun goes, then he's looking over there, Donovan Bailey, and he's looking over there at some other guy, and I mean, he's going to finish last. Amen? He's going to finish last. Because eventually, as, as he continues to look over his shoulder at the other racers in the race, eventually he's going to be looking this way, because they're all going to be gone ahead of him. And then you're wondering, why am I back here? Why am I not as advanced as they are? Why am, I, why am I struggling with this thing still? Why am I struggling in my health still? Why am I struggling in my relationship? Why am I not walking with God the way I should be walking with God? The way, like I'm following God for 15 years now, and yet that person over there, they're only in here 15 weeks, and yet they're walking in there. Race, they're gone further than I am in 15 years. Why is that? You know why? Because you spend more time looking over your shoulder at what everyone else is doing. I'm not looking at what you should be doing. So therefore, they came and they didn't bother looking over their shoulder. They just went for it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
We need to run our race. Fastest way to lose your race is keep on looking over your shoulder. You will lose, amen? Never compare yourself to anyone else. Never compare anything you have to what anybody else has. Never think that there's something better over there. Because if you think there's something better over there, even though it may be better, it'll take your eyes off what you have and you'll start to get, you'll be, get, you'll be depressed. Because you know what? No matter how big you have, no matter how great you have, let me let you know a secret. There's always someone with bigger. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And the top of that tree is probably Bill Gates. He's probably right there at the top of the tree. Amen. No matter how nice your house is, there's always going to be someone with a nicer house. No matter how nice your car is, there's always going to be someone with a nicer car. So we need to stop comparing what we have because we're belittling the blessing that God gave us. Yeah. Amen. You need to fix your eyes on your prize. Your prize. Amen. God has uniquely created a prize for you. Amen. That you can win. Amen. You're not competing with someone else. I mean, when, when, when Usain Bolt gets down in his blocks, he's competing against seven other people. Amen. You're not. You're running your race that you can win. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. How stupid it is for us when we spend more time concentrating on someone else's race than we do on our own. Amen? How foolish is it of me to compare what God has given us here in Enniscorthy to something that God has given someone else in Dublin. Foolish. Amen? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Or simply put, stay fully focused, fully concentrated, eyes on the prize, determined to win, not distracted by anything or any, uh, anything else that anybody has. Because it's your race, designed for you, especially for you. God taking into consideration your unique abilities and talents. Run your race. Amen? Amen? Let me give you one more scripture here. 2 Corinthians 10. says in verse 12. It says, For we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Don't measure yourself up against someone else. Amen? Because there's always going to be someone taller than you. Don't measure yourself up against, don't measure anything you have up against someone else because there's always going to be someone better than you. It's foolish, the word of God says. Amen? Amen. Galatians chapter 6, I've fooled you. One last, this is the last scripture. It says there in verse 4, it says, don't compare yourselves with others. Just look at your own work to see if you have done anything to be proud of. Amen?